Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey guys, Dr. Hondorp here, and I'm really excited to bring you today's episode. Today's episode is called seven steps to break free from binge eating. And it's all about binge eating, what it is, what it isn't, how it's different from emotional eating. And I'll even briefly touch on the concept of food addiction, which is a very controversial topic. But we will also talk about some of the causes for binge eating and most importantly, what to do about it. So I'm excited to dive in with you today. First, I wanted to make sure that you are aware of my brand new free masterclass. This is a live masterclass I'm going to be delivering the week of April 12th. So this is something that I may do in the future, but it won't be for a while. So I would love to have you join me live for a masterclass where I'm going to be talking about the top three myths about weight and health motivation. It's going to be really fun. So there's there's slides, there's interaction, you as the the viewer will not be, you're just able to interact via chat box. So don't worry, there's no like pressure to interact, but um, it's, uh, it's a fun way to interact with me. I'll have a live Q&A at the end. I am really, really excited about it. And I'll actually also be talking about my brand new online program there. So do not miss it. It's going to be a great time. So to sign up for that, go to the episode for, or the link to today's episode webpage or blog post, which is drshawnhondorp.com forward slash 13. And there you will see at the top a link to sign up for a masterclass and find a time that works for you. So let's dive into today's episode all about binge eating. So binge eating, we'll talk about what it is, but you know, can you relate to this idea of you're doing really well throughout the day? Perhaps you've had uh, breakfast, and I put well in quotes, by the way. You've had a, a sensible breakfast, also with quotes, uh, maybe a salad for lunch, and you portioned out a nice little snack, maybe some almonds mid-afternoon. You sit down to have dinner, and you have, you know, a, a portion enough to fit into your calorie limit for the day. You're feeling good. But then for whatever reason, you eat a little more, maybe because, I don't know, you're a human being who isn't programmed to eat an exact number of calories. Maybe someone offered you an extra roll or a snack, or you just ate another portion of food without thinking about it. 
whatever the reason, you immediately have the automatic thought, well, I screwed up, might as well enjoy the night, or some type of all or nothing thinking, and you proceed to have a whole lot more food until you're incredibly full and frustrated with yourself, you feel out of control, you're beating yourself up, you resolve to get back on track tomorrow, and generally, you're feeling pretty down. So does this sound familiar at all to any of you? So that's an example of what binge eating could look or feel like. Binge eating can feel incredibly hopeless, overwhelming. It can feel like you have zero control and destroy your self-confidence. So again, today's post is going to go over what it actually is, what causes it, and how it's different and at times similar to emotional eating, and most importantly, what the heck to do about it, right? So let's dive in. Let's first talk about the technical definition of a binge episode. This is based on the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Um, I am not a huge into diagnoses. I think they can be helpful to a point, but I think sometimes they, they lack the ability, especially with eating concerns, to really capture what fits for people and capture the distress. Um, I'll tell you that I work with a number of people who meet criteria for binge eating disorder, But also, I work with a lot of folks who wouldn't technically meet criteria, but they're still really distressed about their relationship with food. But that said, if we want to know what the technical definition is, the technical definition of a binge episode is two things. The first is eating in a discrete period of time. The example they give is within any two-hour time period. An amount of food that is definitely larger than what most people would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances. So that's our technical definition, number one. The second one that's also required for a binge episode is a sense of lack of control over eating during the episode. So feeling like one cannot stop eating or control how much one is eating. And that binge eating episodes also need to be associated with at least three of the following. So there's five criteria. You have to have at least three of these. One is eating more rapidly than normal. The second is eating until uncomfortably full. Third is eating large amounts of food when not feeling physically hungry. Fourth is eating alone because of feeling embarrassed about how much you're eating. And the fifth one is feeling disgusted with yourself, depressed, or very guilty afterwards. So like I said, technically, you have to have at least three of those during the binge eating episodes to count as a binge eating episode. And then going further, what's binge eating disorder? So to meet criteria for binge eating disorder, you have to have at least one binge episode per week for at least three months. So there, like I said, there's a lot of circumstances where you might not meet full criteria, but you might still have an eating pattern that you're distressed about. Um, I've talked before at times in my life, I would definitely meet criteria for binge eating disorder. No question. But there's a lot of times in my life where I was still pretty distressed about my relationship with food, but I wouldn't have technically met probably criteria. I don't know. It's hard to remember exactly. But point being, I don't think the technical do I meet criteria or not matters a whole lot in terms of how you address it and how you, so some of the things that we're going to be talking about are going to apply to you whether or not you meet full criteria. So some examples of people who might not meet full criteria would be folks, if you experience binge eating and are distressed about it, but it happens less than once a week, for example, it happens once a month, or if you feel out of control with your eating, but you don't eat 
an amount that's definitely larger, in quotes, that's how they define it, than others might eat in a similar circumstances. So you eat three small cookies, but you feel out of control or guilty afterwards. That's actually called subjective binge eating, and it could be just as distressing. So in these cases, assuming your symptoms aren't better characterized by another disorder or another diagnostic category, you might get a less specific diagnosis like eating disorder not otherwise specified. It's kind of a catch-all category, and it's probably what I diagnosed the most, I would say, if I had to guess. So, and going back to what I just mentioned, so what if I feel out of control, but I don't eat much? This is called subjective binge eating. So this occurs if you feel out of control, but only end up eating a relatively smaller amount of food or doesn't meet criteria for that definitely larger amount. But perhaps you intended to eat a di- make a different choice or eat less, and now you're feeling guilty about it. So that's really common too. I see that in across a wide variety of individuals across different weight ranges. I w- that's probably the, well, not probably, it is the most common type of binge eating you see after something like bariatric surgery or weight loss surgery as well. You'll see the binge eating kind of look like that. So let's talk about what causes binge eating. So there's really, like anything, the causes of binge eating, like most behaviors, are multifaceted. Like most things, our genetics play a big role in setting us up for developing any condition or behavior pattern, and binge eating is no different from that. Our environment, of course, also plays a role. Genes and environment, kind of cliche, but they matter. So food is more readily available and more processed than it ever has been, and food scientists know what they're doing and they're able to make hyper palatable designer foods, that perfect combination of fat, sugar, and salt that really do a great job hooking our brains and can cause us to eat a lot lot beyond hunger, right? So we don't want to underestimate the power of that. That can get things started. And then if people develop sort of some of these beliefs that are common with binge eating, like blaming themselves, a lot of shame, feeling like there's something wrong with them that can then fuel the behavior further. So not everyone develops those types of thinking about themselves. Some people just say, oh, I just ate more because this is really good. And they don't overinterpret it. But sometimes when you get overinterpreting, what does this mean about me? And that shame piece that can really, really cause the continued spiral, which makes sense, right? And finally, and importantly, dieting and restriction causes binge eating. And the risk of this is higher with more restriction. Like if you're skipping a lot of meals or you're eating a really low calorie amount, this is due to both biological and psychological factors. So biology, our biology is designed to not eat, you know, when you're eating and restricting low calories, your body is going to kind of override that and say, um, no, I will be eating now. Thank you very much. And then the psychological factors of restriction, like the diet mentality we talk about in this podcast a lot, that in itself, even if you didn't technically eat a low amount of calories, the mental restriction of, I can't have this, I can't have this tends to make us want it more and eventually can lead to feeling out of control and binge eating. So, Although when you go on an eating plan or a weight loss plan, binge eating may temporarily or maybe for a decent amount of time might reduce, it will often return 
and sometimes, and I would say often, more intensely the next time around. So the, the question next is, does dieting cause binge eating for everyone? And the answer is no. Uh, some people I worked with have dieted on and off for decades, and they might take a while to develop binge eating, or might, they might never develop binge eating, while others might develop it relatively quickly. So I, I will say, though, that many dieters that I work with at least have some form of subjective binge eating. And this can be just as distressing because, again, this is caused by this like labeling of foods as good or bad, feeling guilt, and they often don't seek help because they don't really think it's a problem that they could get help with. They just sort of blame themselves and they think they are just lacking self-control or willpower. But like I said, it can be really distressing. And so this would be another example of where this diet mentality causes a lot of distress, but because it's so normal and so normative in our culture, people just kind of deal with it because they think everyone's dealing with it, which arguably a lot of people do deal with probably this subjective binge eating feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm bad. I can't control myself, but they're not eating a whole lot of food, right? Another point that I want to make is that overeating is not binge eating. So people sometimes use the term binge eating when they really mean overeating. So this might be your friend who says, oh, I binged on cookies. But if that friend doesn't have a really poor relationship with food and she just meant to say, oh, I ate more cookies than I meant to today. And if she doesn't feel out of control or really guilty after, then that's not a binge. Overeating is normal, common. We all do it. It's inevitable. You're never going to eat the perfect amount of food for your body's needs for energy. That's just not real life and doesn't isn't something we need to strive for. So this, you know, overeating is not the best word because they're sort of the in by default saying like it's too much and that it's bad, but it's the word I have, so it's the word I'm using. But this could be eating past fullness, eating when you're not hungry, or eating because something tastes good. But again, a lot of that is pretty normative. But the main difference is overeating is different than binge eating because it doesn't feel out of control. It's just kind of like something you're doing. And again, overeating's really adaptive. So we should probably come up with a new name for it. It's if you have any ideas, let me know. So, and I think the other thing I will say about overeating is that we all overeat and we will continue to for the rest of our lives, not because uh, anything's wrong with us. And, and again, maybe we don't need to call it overeating, but it's just the term I have, but it's, that's normal and it's how we respond to it. Usually people that struggle with binge eating respond to it with a lot of guilt and shame and beating themselves up and wondering what's wrong with them. Versus if you look at someone who perhaps doesn't struggle with binge eating or doesn't struggle with their relationship with food, they're probably just going to be like, oh, I'm kind of full. All right. And they're going to move on with their day. They might naturally eat a little bit less the next meal because they're not super hungry or they're just feeling a little overstuffed. It's going to happen naturally because they don't have that shame and judgment process with it versus someone who will overinterpret, gosh, what does this mean about me? Cause a ton of stress and sometimes prompts that even more eating, right? That all or nothing, like, well, I'll just eat whatever and then start again the next day or the next week or whatever. So 
I think we really do need to reframe how we think about overeating. And I've watched for years as men and women, but more women confess to eating more. And it's uh, just reflects this distrust we have in ourselves. Right. So I often get this like confession almost, and I've worked in a lot of like weight management clinics too. So I'm sure that's part of it, but I eat two bowls. They might say like, I had two bowls of pasta, two apples. Is that bad? Is that a lot? I'm paraphrasing here. This isn't something someone really said to me, but the, the lack of trust in ourselves and the guilt and shame we feel about eating is, can often turn this episode of overeating into a binge spiral which often leads to dieting and perhaps more binge eating, right? So see how that works. So let's talk about what the driving force is for binge eating. So dieting, as I mentioned, absolutely can and does cause binge eating. And the diet and weight loss industry tells us we're we're not good enough. We need their products to become happy and healthy and good enough. And Sometimes there are other concerns there too. If like I've said before, if we remove that diet overlay or the binge cycle veil, there's other things there. And so binge eating can absolutely be a way to avoid stress or pain, even more mild pain or discomfort, discomfort with feeling bored, dissatisfied, disengaged, like that is pain, right? There's a lot of different things that binge eating could be covering up. My pet peeve is definitely this assumption, though, that if you are binge eating, you must have some deep underlying trauma or thing that is just really needs to be addressed. That could be true, certainly, and it may not be true at all. It may just be the the shame of the diet binge cycle and some other mild things that you need to look at. I say mild because, or just like normative things, right? I've talked about how the diet overlay can Oh, you know, be covering up some dissatisfaction with your job or your relationship or something that's nothing, you know, major. And yet it can be kind of painful to look at because change is uncomfortable. So there's a lot of things that binge eating could be covering up, but we need to not make assumptions about what it is covering up because there's really a lot of individual variability there. So let's talk about if binge eating is different than emotional eating. So it is. Emotional eating is it's actually kind of a controversial topic too because the idea that like emotional eating is bad and needs to be reduced is you can further shame people for emotional eating and basically keep the cycle going. So a lot of people kind of question that term. But basically when we talk about emotional eating talking about eating to cope with feelings, which could include anything from being bored, sad to anger, joy, anything. And this might lead to binge eating and other times does not. So sometimes people are going to eat to comfort themselves. And this, you know, many times might not lead to that really feeling out of control. And so that's sort of the, the difference is whether or not you feel out of control, whether it's binge eating. So that's by definition what we're talking about with, with binge eating. So with emotional eating, that's solely emotional eating. Perhaps you come home after a long, stressful day or you say, I deserve a treat and you have ice cream for dinner, let's say. And this could be considered eating to cope with emotions. But if this person doesn't feel out of control and doesn't really lead to that spiral of guilt and shame, then... It wouldn't be considered binge eating. It's just, in fact, it's sort of more just making that intentional choice. So 
how can you tell if someone's binge eating versus overeating? This is a question I sometimes get from, and, and I think even in yourself, right? So no one except you can actually know, first of all. So if really the definition in how you tell is if it feels out of control, if it feels like, if it feels out of control and you feel a lot of guilt afterwards, then it's probably more binge eating. And if you're like, yeah, I had that and I was fine and I feel fine about it, which is really ultimately the goal. That's how we want to feel about eating in general, because that's going to help you feel more in control. Then that would not be binge eating. But the important piece there is that you, no one knows except you, no one knows except the person in the body with that brain, how they feel. So how does the idea of food or sugar addiction overlap with these concepts? This is an important uh, conversation and honestly a really complicated one. We're not going to get into all of it in this episode because it's, it's important and there's just, there's actually more controversy about it than I really ever knew. Um, but let's talk about it briefly at least. So a lot of times the people that I work with who have been cheating and have been binge eating for years, they often feel like something's wrong with them. They might think that their brains are different than other brains. They may call themselves a food addict and sometimes even join programs like Food Addicts Anonymous that teaches them really more abstinence from sugar, white flour. It's a pretty intense program that teaches them they're powerless over processed foods and, and sugar. So the point I want to make about this is this idea of like once addicted, always addicted is a and it's sometimes in the food addiction world is promoted and it's just not evidence-based at all. So I, you know, food, people that feel addicted to food sometimes feel validated in knowing like food addiction can be a real thing. It's not like something you're making up. It can be represented by changes in your brain. But this idea that the way to approach it, the only option is to never touch sugar or flour again is rarely helpful and I have not really seen it be helpful for anyone. Like I said, if it works for you, cool. You're probably not listening to this podcast, but if you are feeling like that's the only option, I would very much challenge that. I haven't seen any science to support that. And in fact, the good news is if you have been binge eating for years, there is hope and our treatments or approaches or interventions for binge eating are quite effective. So I would say, though, that the moving away from the diet mentality, I've said before, and I'll say it again, is helpful for everyone, but probably is the most key component of true recovery and peace in your relationship with food and feeling in control. And so for years, I've observed and and worked with people with really long histories of dieting and weight loss. And as I mentioned before, Sometimes they develop binge eating pretty quickly and other times it can take a while. And so because you've had these experiences where you've lost weight when you've restricted or, and when I say restricted, I don't necessarily mean like restricted really low, right? I could, I could be talking about just like a 1200 calorie diet, which technically is pretty low, but that's what we've said for years is like healthy and it's not, um, I used to think it is, but it's, that's, a form of restriction. And so it doesn't have to be like extreme restriction just to clarify that term there. So this idea that if we, we need this diet or calorie restriction to, 
meet our goals, to be in control, because maybe in the past when we followed a plan, we felt in control, that can really perpetuate that cycle of the diet mentality, all or nothing thinking, and really challenging that is hard. I realize it's not an easy thing to do, but it's essential to really overcoming binge eating and feeling more in control of, of your behavior. So, so with that said, I want to dive into the seven steps to break free from binge eating. And you probably won't be surprised to know that number one, the most important one I believe is to stop dieting and to stop having the diet mentality, if nothing else, right? The behavior you do is less important than what you're thinking about it, how you're feeling about it. So if you've read or listened to me at all, you know, I think the diet mentality is good for no one. And like I said, to be fair, short term, that can reduce binge eating, but I have not seen it work long term. And, and so when you're focused on weight loss, and I've run groups for years where we talk about stress and binge eating. And I, I strongly encourage, even though I know it's hard for people to at least try to put weight loss on the back burner or not focus on it as much as we look to improving and con- improving your relationship with food. And ultimately I've shared that that was really the thing that finally got me out of this cycle was like, Oh, okay. I'm really just going to not worry about weight loss at all. And I didn't, I, I stopped. I just stopped trying to control that part of my body and it freed up things monumentally for me. Like that was the shift that made the shift. So I would, that's gotta be number one. It just does. So number two, set yourself up for success with your habits. So if you are waking up at seven in the morning, not eating till two and then eating because a lot then, cause you're super hungry, we need to look at that. Right. And I know that's obvious, but it's common. And I think a lot of times the diet mentality is like less is better eating less is a good thing and it's not you the number one thing that I work with with people to reduce binge eating is to look at your eating pattern and look at where you're under eating because you probably are I don't care what your body size is if you are going long periods of time without eating if you are eating something like 1200 calories you're very under likely under eating and probably potentially setting yourself up for binge eating with that And just looking at other habits, right? Like we know sleep is incredibly important for almost everything. Ideally, most adults need seven to nine hours of sleep. So making sure the sleep you're getting is good quality, working with your doctor to make sure you don't have any sleep disorders that are causing sleep to be poor quality, because all of that can increase binge eating cravings for sweets and, and put stress on the body. So again, looking at your habits, just start with one realistic goal, like getting up at the same time every day or aiming for a certain bedtime or, you know, making sure you're eating regularly throughout the day. Number three, look at your processed and sugary food intake. So, you know, by now that I'm not about restrictions, certainly, but at the same time, many of the foods that we do eat make us set us up for blood sugar spikes and drops and set us up for you know, feeling that that blood sugar drop can lead to that binge eating and then people can blame themselves again. So we want to make it easier for you. And so when we make these changes from a place of respect and not diet mentality, we learn to 
actually hopefully enjoy and prefer and feel better in our new habits, not weight loss, but feeling good throughout your day. And that can really help to reduce that binge eating. Number four is make sure your environment is working for you. So our food environment is the number one reason for the weight gain that we've seen in the U.S. And that meaning our food environment, uh, it's been called obesogenic or obesity causing. And we want to try to control what we can and not bring that environment into the home because, again, we have to look at our brains and what they respond to. So not from a restrictive mindset, right? I, mindset wise, I, I think it's important to tell yourself, like, I love cake, right? So I, if you want cake, you can totally have it, but not bring in the house on a regular basis is, especially as you're really working at the beginning to try to control your eating, that can be really helpful when you're doing it from a place of respecting yourself and not from a place of restriction. So that's really important. Number five, look at your beliefs. So this is a big one. And you know, sometimes can be challenging. So this goes along with number seven, which is considered seeking professional support. If you need help there, looking at your beliefs is not always easy because our beliefs are usually operating under the surface and we may not be fully aware of them. But that said, looking at like, do you believe you're out of control? Do you believe something's wrong with you or wrong with your brain? Many people, like I said, who have binge eating believe that something's wrong with them. They're addicted to food. And Sometimes again, this belief like, well, once I'm addicted, I'm always going to be addicted and and science doesn't support this. So just looking at like, how are you thinking about it and how's that impacting you and your behavior? Um, The great thing is, even when you have unhelpful beliefs, our brains are so adaptable. And so you can absolutely think and learn to think differently. And so I'll say too, that personally, I used to feel very addicted to food. I woke up thinking about food and my weight. I often went to bed thinking about it. If something I liked was in the house, it was never out of sight, out of mind for me. It was very much, I was very aware that it was there and it caused me a lot of distress because I was thinking about it way more than I would like to. Well, I don't mind admitting it now, but you know what I mean? It's, uh, and now it's been years since I've binged. I rarely think about food. Um, when I, if I have Halloween candy, on my counter, I will absolutely be eating more of it. But if it's in the top shelf, like a way where I don't see it, I really don't think about it now. So our brains are so adaptable. And I remember I was like, I don't know, I'm a psychologist. I'm observing myself, right? And I remember thinking back to when I was like, having this urge to eat, I would just notice and I'd be like, oh my gosh, my rewards centers in my brain are lighting up. Yes, I know. I'm a dork, but I found it kind of fascinating. And like that effect does not occur anymore. And I, the main difference that I know is the lack of restriction that changed that. So feeling different in your relationship with food is possible. It might take work and a new paradigm, but our brains are amazing and they can change. So tip number six is to have a plan when the urge to binge strikes. So these urges can be intense, especially when you're in them. Having a plan does not equal having a restrictive diet, although that's the urge, right? But instead being prepared of what you'll do or say to yourself when the urge comes up and ideally keeping tempting out of the foods out of the home so there's more time to implement that plan because if it's like really easily accessible, 
there's just almost no time to like implement any changes. So even if you are able to stop yourself while you're going to the drive through, like that's progress. Even though I know the closer you get to getting the food, it's harder to stop yourself. But I recommend having a list written out in advance of at least eight to 10 options of things you could do instead. So if you need ideas for this, go to the show notes. I made a free PDF just for that reason. Or you can go to drhondorp.com forward slash guide. And it's just a three uh, free PDF with a bunch of ideas and links of things you could do. I mean, so this could be taking a walk, taking a shower, drinking water, watching a funny video. There's tons of free online groups for immediate support. So there's a lot of options and the PDF has a bunch of other more fun options. Just having that plan in advance is really important. So read your list and do one of the few things and just focus on that in those moments. And finally, number seven, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say consider seeking professional support. Often the binge cycle or the binge diet cycle is, is distracting us from some underlying pain. Sometimes it's big and obvious, like unresolved grief or trauma. Sometimes it's more subtle, like boredom, dissatisfaction with something. And sometimes you can figure that out by yourself, like by journaling or talking to loved ones. But oftentimes we may want or need professional support and there is nothing wrong with that. So if nothing else, having an objective person to talk to regularly helps to accelerate the prog the process for yourself. So so something to consider and if you are continuing to really struggle with this this I'd really really urge you to do that. You did not deserve to do this alone. So that is all I have for you. As a reminder, this podcast and blog is not is for educational purposes only and not any form of professional advice. And make sure if you didn't already sign up for my new masterclass, go to drshawnhondorp.com forward slash 13. For this episode, you will see an image called new masterclass, top three myths about weight and health motivation. It's April 12th only. You can sign up there and I can't wait to see you there. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, It would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.